Yeah, again, if I don't know you, my name's Kyle. I'm the pastor of Preaching and Vision here, and we are glad that you're gathering with us. Again, I want to thank Jordan uh, for leading us today. Uh, and then also, man, I just want to take a moment uh, today uh, just to, uh, man, thank Brett. Uh, Brett has been such a servant to our church and continues to be a servant to our church. But man, uh, as y'all know, if not today... By Friday, <laughs> they uh, will have a new little one. And so, man, we are going to uh, just give them man, a season to to uh, figure that out. And, uh, man, we want to walk alongside them and serve them. But, man, Brett, I just want to thank you uh, for all that you've done uh, for the life of our church over the last few months. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll continue to do. And so, yeah, let's give Brett a hand. Um, but with that, let's go ahead. We're going to open our Bibles to John chapter 15. Uh, as, as we kicked off this morning in our call to worship, I shared that we're going to start a new series today, uh, a series entitled Gospel Friendship. Uh, and really the goal of, of this series is to take the next three weeks and to really press in and look at how the good news uh, it not only affects our relationships, specifically the call to friendship, uh, but man, how it empowers, how it is to change uh, and really impact the way, uh, man, we see friendship and the way we live out friendship uh, in our everyday lives. And so the way I want to begin is how we often begin with some interaction uh, and uh, so get ready. I'm going to give you a moment just to prepare yourself uh, for that interaction. But uh, I want you to just in one word, what do you think of? What's one word you think of when you think of the word friendship? Kindness. Yeah. Closeness, support. What? Trust. I thought he said truck at first. I was like, <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, trust. Loyal. And I think, you know, we could go on and on, you know. Simple things like laughter. Like when I think of friendship, I think of laughter, right? Uh, man, just, uh, uh, you know, just spending time together but one thing that i think if we continued with this pattern the other thing that we have to do is the other side of that is man we the words some of the words we didn't hear is that man friendship is hard friendship costs for some of you're like yeah friendship's fleeting right um maybe it's like yeah it's non-existent got no friends you know i'm alone And as we think about that question, as we answer that question, I, I want you to take a moment. You, we're not going to, I just want you to think this time. You don't have to answer, but I want you to think for a moment, uh, about the best friendship that you've ever had. Just think for a moment about the best friendship you've ever had. If you have a spouse in the room, it's an easy answer. Your spouse is your best friend, okay? Don't be like me. It took me a while to understand that. Uh, Haley said, Kyle, you're my best friend. I said, oh, thanks. And, uh, then she was like, Wait a second, let's take this back. You, Kyle, I am your best friend. And I was like, huh? Yes, I, and I understand that now, and, and I value that. Um, it just took me a little while longer, so I don't want you to have to do that. So it, that's an easy answer. Should be. Um, but along with that, like even aside from that, like, man, the, as you think about growing up, the best friend you had growing up, maybe you're still friends with them today, right? Um, and as you think about that friendship, what is or was so solid about that friendship? Just think about that. 
What made that friendship so solid? Maybe it was because uh, you had common interests, right? That's how you met and you just, man, uh, you, you had the same common interests and that's what y'all do together, right? One of my good friends uh, in college is, man, we love Texas Ranger baseball. Uh, and so we would get together and we would watch games and we wouldn't say a word to each other. And I considered him one of my closest friends because, like, we would just call him an interest. And we'd, I'd get done with the game. I'm like, all right, buddy, see you later. And that's, like, we wouldn't talk. And it was great, right? So it was common interest. Maybe um, you've gone through something together. Maybe you share in the same suffering or the same pain, you know, and, and there's uh, maybe there's common values or a common identity, common goals. And, and, and man, you just know like these things brought us together. But as you continue, what is the most or what was or is the most difficult part of that friendship? Because even with our best friends, there's difficulties, right? There, there's there's uh, man hardship, there's suffering, there's sin that makes those friendships difficult at times, even with our best friends. The reason I wanted you to think on these things is because, man, I believe uh, for probably all of us, uh, friendship's not something that we give a lot of thought to in terms of just really processing. Like You don't find yourself sitting down and saying, let me just contemplate friendship. It's just kind of something that it's just there, right? From your early memories, like you're like, yeah, friendship was just kind of there. But while we don't think about it like that, I believe it is most definitely something. Friendship is most definitely something that we give a lot of thought to emotionally, even though you're probably unaware of it. You see, we are all after the development of deepening and meaningful relationships. Because, man, at the core of who we are, what we realize is we are relational beings. And you see, friendship is ingrained in who we are as image bearers of God. And so when drawn together with a group of people, our natural instinct is to begin looking for a place to belong with people that we care about and who care about us. If you move somewhere, if you, man, if you come in and you begin visiting a church, man, part of that goal is that, man, I want to care for people and be cared for. I want to grow and have friendships. And at times, and I want to, because as you think about this, for some of us, that's really easy. Maybe you're an extrovert and you're like, I can walk into a room and man, I can just run that room and I can find common interests with everyone. And I, you know, and I leave and like, I feel like everyone's my friend. And, and then for others, you're maybe you're more of an introvert and you're like, yeah, like it's, you know, on the one hand, you're an extrovert, you hide behind that. And then on the other hand, you're like, well, I'm an introvert, so it's really hard for me to make friends. And, and that might be true, but sometimes maybe you hide behind that. And, and yet on both sides, what we realize is that there's this pursuit, although it comes in different ways for friendship and meaningful relationship. Not only that, but when you think about friendship, when you think about coming into a uh, uh, moving somewhere, or having a new job or, you know, even from our earliest memories, starting school, man, uh, trying to find friends is a quick pursuit. So at the start of second grade, I uh, moved to Clifton. Uh, we moved from about 30 minutes away to Clifton where my mom was working, started a new school. And I remember the first day of school, two things happened. One, my mom forgot me, which is a great way to start your first day of school in a new town. Uh, she forgot me, so I went and hid in some bushes and wet my pants. No shame here, right? Counseling helps. Uh, and so we, we go through that. She forgot me, didn't set the alarm, and has to come get me late. Um, but the second thing is I remember, man, you know, 
trying to find friendships. Like I walked in the room, I'm like, okay, who am I going to connect with? Who am I going to be friends with here? I don't have any friends. I don't even know anyone. And man, really quickly, I found two friends. Chris Lemons and Brandon Hoff. And man, we became like we were the best of friends. And it came about about a common interest. You see, around that time in life, there was a movie that had come out called Three Ninjas. One of the greatest movies ever. Uh, it's not. I watched it a while back. And I was like, this isn't too good. Uh, but we, I mean, we started talking about it. I was like, oh, you like Three Ninjas? Oh, oh, I like Three Ninjas. And so we became the three ninjas of our class. Because we loved the movie and we wanted to be ninjas. Okay? And in, uh, in the movie Three Ninjas, if you've never seen it, if you haven't, go watch it. But if you have, uh, the grandfather gives his three grandsons each a name, a ninja name. It was Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum. And so we set up this, this ninja group gang, uh, and we decide we got to have names, right? So we decide to pick names. Well, Chris, who is kind of the leader of our ninja group, he, he, man, he comes out first. He said, I'm going to be Cubby. Now, the reason he's called Cubby is because we were the Clifton Cubs. And so, of course, you know, you go with the mascot. So he says that, and we're like, oh, that's great. And then my other friend's like, oh, I'm speedy, right? Because he thought he was real fast. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know what I am. They just took the two greatest names that could ever be given. Who am I, right? And so I'm sitting there, and they're like, well, what do you like, Kyle? And I was like, well, I like riding my bike. So I'll be bikey, Okay. Super lame. And so we, man, Cubby, Speedy, and Bikey for the rest of the year on the playground, we ran that joint, right? Like, it was in our imagination, we were fighting all the bad guys, right? And no no one was going to mess with us. But we developed this friendship. I mean, it it blossomed from there. And I mean, your entire life, you find these seasons and moments. I think more so when we're younger, and then they, they deepen and maybe get a little closer as you get older. But essentially, we are always in some form or fashion and to varying degrees of either health or unhealth, seeking out purpose and identity in friendships. And so that's what we're going to look at. But before we dive in, dive in I, I want to just share, man, there's a few more things as, uh, as we begin to lay out the goals for this series. First, as I've already said, friendship is something that we're all familiar with, Right? I would say that all of us would probably say, uh, if asked, yeah, I have friends. I think some of those common responses that we get in terms of friendship, one of them is, well, I'm friends with everybody. Well, no, um, you may be friendly towards everybody, but if we were to press that a little bit, there's probably going to be some people that you're not, you, you don't really care for that you wouldn't consider your friend, right? Another response we get is, well, I just have a lot of friends. And so what I want to say up front is there's a big difference between friend and acquaintance. We have a lot of people that we're friendly towards, but man, few know true friendship. I would argue that the friend of many is probably not known by any. Those that are like, well, I'll just, yeah, I know this person. I'm friends with that person. I'm friends with that person. But there's never, you don't really know anything about them. You haven't, I mean, they don't know your lives and you don't know their lives. There's just kind of this surface level friendship. Well, but I just have a lot of friends. Well, the friend of many is probably not really a friend to anyone. You've got a lot of acquaintances that you label as friend. 
See, I think and I, I believe that it, because we are finite beings, we only have the capacity for a few that are deep and many that are decent. And so today, do you know and are you pursuing the few that are deep? And today, as you think about those friendships, do those people that you consider deep friends, do they even know you consider them a good friend? And would they say the same based on how you treat them? Secondly, while familiar with the term friendship, we have largely forgotten what friendship really means for us relationally. And and even, I mean, I believe even what we know of friendship is shallow. It's quick to change based on preference. And there is always an escape route if things get too real. We go into a friendship relationship with one foot already kind of out the door. You see, for many of us, our definition or understanding of rich friendship has little to do with relationships and more to do with the surface level satisfaction of friend requests and follows along with the numbers of likes and shares we can get on social media. We have dumbed friendship down to that. You see, in doing that while carrying the banner of friendship and safety is a false narrative that only isolates and starves us of what we really need, which is deep relationships fostered in the form of friendship. Which brings me to my last point regarding friendship that I just want to just lay out up front. Friendship is frustrating. You know, those one letter words that we didn't say at the beginning, like it's hard. I think it's hard, again, because of social media. We say it all the time. Like We are more connected than ever and less connected than ever. Not only that, but I think a lot of people, they don't believe that friendship is needed. They, they, they love this idea. I mean, the enemy has lulled us to believe this lie that isolation is good. Which is why, as uh, man, especially in our culture, like we live behind our privacy fences and we close our garage doors and we make sure everything is locked up tight and we've got our alarm systems. Those aren't bad things, but we tend to maybe we tend to use those things and project those things as, "Hey, this is my kingdom. No one else is allowed in. If I go out, talk to me. But if I'm in here, don't talk to me." Not only that, but I believe that we've begun to make other things friends. For some of you, money is your friend. For some of you, work is your friend. For some of you, man, uh, the activities of your family and children is your friend. And what I mean by that is you wouldn't say that, but what you value most, you spend time on, right? Do we value friendships this way? Next, we are quick to change friends. I'm not just talking about cult, like I'm talking about even in the church. Friendship has become a buffet of self-serving. Where new friends always have new friends and their new enemies are their old friends. Man, if you always have a new batch of friends and your old friends are now your enemies, it's probably not your old friends. There might be something going on in your heart. And then lastly, man, we just walk in idealism. It's frustrating because we have idealism. And while we should have a baseline for what friendship is to be, 
we often are getting our definition from the world around us. We in the church are not called to do friendship like the world, and yet we do friendship like the world. See, this series kind of came about as I began to question why the church struggles to do friendship well. And I found that it's largely due to the fact that we who are called to be set apart in every part of life still do friendship the way the world does. And so what we need is a biblical theology. We need to understand what does the Bible say about friendship? What does the Bible say not, not just about friendship, but what does it say about the church and how we are to be friends The reason we need this is because we need to gain not only an understanding of friendship, but begin doing friendship in ways that are countercultural to those we are called to proclaim the good news to. Drew Hunter, in a book, he wrote a book called Made for Friendship that's a phenomenal resource. He says this. He says, churches should serve relational feasts in the midst of a friendship famine. Churches are often friendly places... But friendliness is not the same as friendship. Church talk about community, which is, churches talk about community, which is good, but we often don't talk about what it means to befriend and be a friend to others, which is bad. So this brings me to my two final questions to start the series. Why? Why do we talk about friendship? Why do we need to? Well, one, because we need it. We desperately need it. And I'm not talking about a quantity of friends. I'm talking about a quality of friendship. But secondly, I think we need to have this set under the sobering reality that we are pretty bad at it. My prayer is that the Spirit would do a work in our hearts and reveal to us that the reason we need to have our view of friendship reshaped is because we all long for it. And as followers of Jesus, we cannot be who we're called to be without it. There are no solo Christians. And so how do we do this? What's the answer? Well, the answer is always Jesus. It's the gospel. You see, gospel friendship sets forth the good news that through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, not only is our vertical relationship made new, but our horizontal ones are to be made new as well. The good news is to change everything about our lives, including how we go about being a friend and being friended. So practically what this is going to look like is, I think it's going to have to be some repentance. We're going to have to turn from some wrong belief and some wrong action as friends. And what it means to be a friend, but also we're going to have to, man, if we really want to learn what it means to be friends, we're going to have to learn to trust. We're going to have to allow God and be willing to allow God to heal those broken areas of broken friendships and the broken stories of our past where people have wronged us, maybe where we've wronged people. You're going to have to learn to get vulnerable. You're going to have to walk in knowing, hey, I'm probably going to get hurt. But when I get hurt, I'm going to run to Jesus and guess what? Then I'm going to get back out there. And so the way we're going to go about this is by looking today at the true friend we have in Jesus. Followed by two weeks on reshaping our view of friendship and what friendship means in terms of covenant relationship. 
So let's look now at John 15, 12 through 17. It says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Listen to this, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Okay, so there's a lot here in these six verses, but but let me just give a, a quick background of what's taking place. So in John 15, Jesus uses his last I am statement where he says, I am the vine. The father is the vine dresser and those who follow him are the branches that are called to what? They are called to bear fruit. You see, the vine in in biblical history was a symbol of God's people in the Old Testament was Israel. But Jesus is saying here at the beginning of John 15 that he is the true vine that Israel failed to be. He is the true and better one that Israel pointed to who would bring the good fruit of salvation to God's people. You see, what this means is that for anyone to bear the fruit of life, they must be rightly related to Jesus. You will bear no fruit and you will have no life apart from being connected to the vine. You see, even as you're connected to the vine, you are pruned. But he says in the early part of John 15, the branches, he says, I I, I will prune the branches, which I believe is so key for this series. Because guess what? We need pruning in terms of friendship so that we might live it out well. So that we might bear fruit, which only comes as you abide in Jesus and not in self, which is to act in accordance with the love that has been shown to you. And so we get this background and then Jesus, he just begins to lay out this beautiful picture of what the gospel means for our friendship, both with him and others, beginning in verse 12, which marks friendship by the command to love one another as I have loved you. You see, even from the start of Jesus talking about friendship, man, friendship is going to carry with it a response. The gospel always carries with it a response. And so friendship, which is the depth of relationship that goes beyond the serving of self, and what it does, it leads to the sacrificial serving of one another. This command and this call to love in regards to friendship. Uh, Man, Jesus isn't sitting here saying, hey, I just had this epiphany and I'm just going to let you all know something. Just made this up. Man, you all should be friends. You all should love one another. He's not making it up and installing something new. Rather, friendship, according to God's word, is not something that was invented and implemented as a way to make us better relationally. Jesus doesn't come and say, hey, y'all really messed it up. So guess what? I'm going to come and give you all these points to make it better. Now, Jesus came and said, y'all really messed it up and I'm going to give myself. You see, friendship is something that's always been. And therefore, Jesus came to restore and recommission by way of his love for us. You think about friendship, friendship at its core is Trinitarian in nature. 
It displays the love, service, and friendship that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have carried for all time. Eternity past, present, and future. It, it has always been and it will always be. Therefore, as reconciled image bearers, followers of Jesus, we, are, we have been reconciled, but we are to bear the image and display this very friendship towards one another in response, again, to how we've been loved. It's never, hey, go love others so that I might love you. No, it's go and you love others now sacrificially because I have loved you. Jesus in John 9 says the mark of how, he, he says, look, this is how they'll know you're my disciples. How? By the way you love one another. And we're really going to set in what this means to really love one another as friends over the next two weeks. But what I want to say now is that this command lays forth the two-way nature of friendship and relational love and service that we are to have for one another. You see, I believe that the problem largely that I see inside the church and outside the church is that we make friendship about serving the needs of self rather than serving the needs of others. I mean, think about the relationships that you define as friendships. And if you're honest, is it a two-way relationship or are you just seeking to have your needs met? And in that, I, I want to press further because, man, if you, maybe you're sitting there today, you're like, well, I'm always the one pouring out. And that might be the reality, right? And, and on one side of that, it's like, hey, the street needs to become two ways. And so if you feel that way today, if you feel I'm always pouring out, but man, I don't have deep relationships. It's not reciprocated where others are caring for me, which again, that can be a re- reality. And I think if I'm just honest, for me as a pastor, often I feel super lonely. You know, because as soon as I get around, I was at a wedding a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to a guy and he was sitting next to me and then he's like making conversation. He asked me what I did and I didn't want to tell him. But then someone said, well, he's my pastor. And immediately it changed and the guy got up and never came back. (laughs) And I'm just like... Here, you know, but I feel that, right? Because as soon as people, like as soon as people, oh, you're a pastor, they're, they, you know, it's like, I gotta cover up, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go over here and see what's going on, right? I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I can't joke around them or I can't do it because, you know, well, they're the pastor. And I hope, man, y'all know me well enough to know, man, I'm just me, right? Like, I'm just as jacked up as y'all are. It's good. That's why God has grace. So that is a reality, but but if you feel that way, there's two things I, I encourage you to press into. One is to begin to pray and, and ask how you might set up and communicate better boundaries and needs with those current relationships. To sit down with someone and say, hey, and I really need you to be, maybe it's as blunt as, hey, I need you to be a better friend. This is what I'm dealing with right now. Can you, man, could you do this? And then if you hear that from someone, that you wouldn't take it as an attack, but be like, okay, man, I'm sorry, I I had that blind spot. But I think also in pressing into this, maybe it's not so much that no one ever returns friendship. Maybe, 
Not saying it is, but maybe you're not open and willing enough to be vulnerable and allow others in. Maybe it's kind of a source of pride that I help everyone else, but man, they, I don't need any help. And then you're upset because no one's a good friend to you. There's this posture of, man, I'm not going to allow for that. I'm going to keep you at arm's length. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I think, man, we're not not guilty of it. So what we see is that we're to serve one another or we're to love one another, but, but it's not just a blanket statement. For this is a mark of friendship in light of how we've been loved by Jesus. You see, you cannot live out healthy relational rhythms as a friend until you understand how you've been loved by Jesus. And how has Jesus loved us? And He came and He lived a perfect life. He died a a death that we deserve to die, right? And He rose in victory like He has loved us in the most ultimate of ways. Not only came and gave himself, he modeled what it means to be a friend. Not only that, but also he empowers us by his spirit to go and do the same. Not in our own strength, but by his grace and spirit. You see, this is the display of this display of love is proclaimed in verse 13, where we get um, the next mark of friendship, which is that a real friend displays their love to others and a willingness to lay down themselves for one another. You see, to be a real friend is to serve others by willingly laying oneself out for your friends. And those deep friendship relationships, what you know is that no matter what, I've got their back and they've got mine. And part of that is that not they always agree with me. Part of having your back is also telling you when you're wrong and you missed it. But it's okay because I know they love me that much. And that's so countercultural, man. In our culture, what it says is, I have your back until it makes my life uncomfortable, and then what? Then I move on. But Jesus is not calling us to something, and I think this is what we need to realize. He's not calling to something, us to something that He did not do Himself. And so we get these two marks of friendship, and then Jesus says that the result is that we bear friendship with Him through obedience to what He commanded. Now, two things here. First, we bear only what we've been given. We can only walk in obedience to this through the perfect obedience of Jesus. Again, He is the vine, we are the branches. We know His love because He loved us in the ultimate way. He loved us unto death. He bore the weight of our sins and the judgment of hell. Therefore, our obedience displays itself to Him. Our obedience to Him displays itself in our understanding of friendship, which should be this sacrificial obedience to the command given in verse 12, that we would love one another. And we overcomplicate it, don't we? Well, if I'm going to be a friend, then I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to call this many times, and I've got to, you know, it's like, well, no, like, then, then we overwhelm ourselves, and then we're like, well, I'm not going to do anything. Instead of just saying, hey, how can I simply just love this person right here, right now, today? Again, this is not the world's standard of friendship, which is why so many relationships struggle. 
The, 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 because we do friendship the world way. This is why so many marriages are drowning in unhealth. This is why so many friends always seem to have new friends. Because you see, if you go in with the mindset of getting served rather than serving, you will miss out on what you're meant for. By way, not of the failure of the other person, but by your disobedience. We often go into friendship relationships and if they fail us, we're saying, well, that's all on them, right? I mean, when someone fails us, how are we called to respond? With forgiveness and grace. Now, at times do we set up boundaries? Yes, because they might be needed for the health of relationship and seasons. But we are called to be quick to forgive in the midst of it. That's what it means to love one another. It's not, I'm going to love the other person if they do everything perfectly towards me. That's not friendship. That's a transaction. I'm going to get what I want. If I don't like it, I'm going to return it. And I'm going to move on and go buy something else. But as we hear all this, there is a new and better way to live. And look at its foundation in verse 15. He says, For no longer do I call you servants. For the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. He says, I have called you friends. Oh, if we would just sit in that. If we would just dwell and think on that. God, reveal to me what it means to be a friend. That you see me as a friend. He's also king. Right? But he sees us as a friend. There's a huge difference between a servant and a friend. A servant is told what to do while a friend is told why. A servant obeys because he's told to. A friend obeys because he wants to. A servant does out of obligation while a friend does out of joy. A servant only comes when summoned. But guess what? A friend is welcome anytime. A servant brings the food to the master, but a friend eats the food with him. As you hear that, I want you to ask yourself, do you honestly believe those statements to be true about your relationship with Jesus? Today, do you see yourself as a servant or do you see yourself as a friend in God's eyes? And I believe the answer can be found in your motivations And your reasoning for obedience. I also believe that it will be found in the fruit of your friendships or lack thereof. And again, I'm not talking about quantity of friendships here. I'm talking about the quality. Are your friendships for the sake of obligation or are they in light of being a friend of Jesus? You see, belief always displays itself in obedience and wrong belief about who you are in Christ will always display itself in wrong obedience towards others in terms of what it means to be a friend. You can't be a good friend if you, as a follower of Jesus, don't understand what it means for Jesus to say, I call you friend. And so we have to sit in the reality that we, if we're honest, are bad at friendship. But the first step is not just to be a better friend. The first step is to realize that Jesus came to befriend sinners whom we all are. As followers of Jesus, we have to realize and find empowering comfort in the truth that Jesus chose us. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. 
And He called us friends even when you were His enemy. Redemptive friendship came in spite of our best efforts to reject it. You did everything and you would have done everything you could do to continue to reject it. But Jesus came and says, no, I'm the vine, you're a branch. I call you friend. I give you life. You see, God's love is not only a powerful reconciler, it is the powerful restorer that lowers our guard, gives us identity, and teaches us what it means to love in light of how we are loved. And I believe one of our greatest struggles in being a friend is due to the fact that we just don't believe God really loves us. We believe the lie that when He calls us friend, that that is who we are and that, that when he calls us friend, that's who we are, not what we have to work for. And if we're going to learn to be friends that sacrificially love one another, we're going to have to learn what it means to be the one by whom Jesus said, man, I sacrificed myself so that we might even know love. Like you have to, man, that, that, that's the gospel. That is to, that's why we should have no better news, right? That daily, I need that reminder. I mean, I am broken And weary, and yet Jesus came in spite of all that. He said, no, I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to give you life. And not just life, but full life. I'm not just going to tell you to go be friends, man. I'm going to befriend you. And then I'm going to empower you. And I'm I'm going to model what it means to be a friend. For it is by this love which chose us that we are then, he says, you have been appointed by God to go. Again, the internal understanding of how you've been loved always leads to external action. And what do we go? We go and bear fruit. We go and bear the fruit of the Spirit, but more specifically, that this fruit would display the fruit of true and deep friendship. Friendship that is not of this world. Friendship that finds its foundation in Christ, not in we must do or or how we must make ourselves out to be. Friendship that's marked by sacrifice towards others. Man, a friendship that lowers our guards. That doesn't take the easy way out when things get tough or when we disagree. Friendship that loves others. Friendship that's willing to repent and apologize. Friendship, man, even toward those who are hard to love. Because guess what? You are hard to love and yet God did not think twice about loving you. Like He didn't say, well, when you soften up a little bit, I'll finally do it. No, He says He took our heart of stone He gives us a heart of flesh. He didn't think twice about it. You see, you can't claim relational relationship and friendship with God and it ought to overflow into healthy, deepening, not perfect, but grace-filled, repentance-bearing, and, and, and long-suffering relationships with one another. Specifically, other followers of Jesus. Let's start here. Because our purpose is to display to the world around us the glory of a God who would engage His enemies and call them into friendship through His sacrifice. 
And so how do we respond to this? I'm going to have uh, Jordan come back up. And I mean, I, I think there, there's really, we're going to get into a lot of practical, like how does this work out and flesh out practically. But first, I want to encourage you to take some time to evaluate your friendships in light of the gospel. First, with God. Let's start vertically. Do you see yourself as a servant or a friend? Do you understand your identity or are you stuck in performance? Do you know him as a friend today? If you don't, man, come talk to me. And then secondly, evaluate your friendships with others. Or, man, really be honest with yourself. Are you a good friend? Do you display biblical friendship towards others? And then two more. I want us to begin today, moving forward, to seek first to be friended. To engage, to be honest with your struggles. Maybe even you have some fears of, man, I don't know if I can be a friend because what if I get hurt again? But to be honest with those around you and to let your guard down little by little. And then next, as you seek to be friended, I encourage you to seek to be a friend. And I encourage you to let others know what they mean to you. Say, hey, this, this is what you mean to me. This is what I appreciate about you. I don't know, man, this is why, man, this is why I consider you a friend. Amen. May our lives be marked by that. That when people, man, they, they come around people at Center Church, they're like, look, I don't know if you think, man, they love Jesus. Man, they love one another. Like, they're really friends with each other. And guess what? They even disagree and get mad at you, but they, they're still friends. They didn't hop at the first sign of trouble. They, they stuck it out. They washed one another's feet. May that be something we're known for. So we're going to spend some time, and I encourage you to think on those things. Uh, but man, I want to invite you, if you are a follower of Jesus, to come and share in communion. We talk about, man, abiding in Christ. What this is, we are communing with Him. We're remembering, man, what He has done. And the only reason Jesus can call us friends is because He came and He, and he gave Himself. Gave his life so that we might have life. So let us share that in all of that understanding today. But man, let us celebrate and worship. We can say, man, I'm a friend of God. So Jesus, I pray that you would transform our view of friendship. That you would renew our hearts. That, man, you would delve down and break off the, just the callousness and the apathy and the lies of what it means to have friends and be a friend. That, God, that, that we would look to you. Because, Jesus, you are the perfect one. You are the one who modeled what friendship is to look like. For you are not a friend of the world. Came and it says you were a friend of sinners, us who deserved none of what we've received. So we thank you for that grace and let that overflow in the way that we befriend others. God, it's only by your power that this is going to happen. 
Let us not try to take the next 15 best steps to being a better friend, but let us just, man, let us just dwell on the reality that you have called us friends, that our King, our rescue, the Lord over all says, no, that's my friend. May that be good news to our souls and may that empower us. In Jesus' name, amen.